Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, a podcast about all things streaming. Each episode, we break down some of the best series, songs, movies, and shows. I'm one dude, Parker. I'm dude number two, Jeff. And dudes, this episode, we're talking about Fear Street Part 1, 1994. But first, Jeff, what else have you been streaming? Man, I'm still in a funk. I just got way too much going on with work. Um, of course, you know, grandpahood still in full full gear which of course i'm definitely not going to complain about that one but uh but yeah i managed to watch fear street part one and that was about it dude i don't blame you it's my life has been crazy and in fact because i'm so busy i'm actually gonna for the first time in podcast history actually talk about something that i'm currently streaming because i'm not i couldn't even finish it before we got to this episode so uh in fact uh, I, I, it's called the midnight society i've only i'm only a few episodes in but you know i was reading about it and it was about these terminal terminally ill children that are in this home and they tell ghost stories and like horror stories to make it through their treatments and kind of cope with their what what they're going through and so i kind of went into it expecting it to be a really you know really because mike mike flanagan helped write it um so i kind of expected to be really spooky but this is a lot more dramatic than i'm expecting it to be and it goes into the lives of you know these students there and i'm sure there's going to be something that you know, some kind of twist that happens. Uh, so stay tuned for a future episode when I've actually finished this and I'll kind of, you know, talk maybe a little bit more about it. But right now I'm I'm really excited about it and I actually probably watch it tonight. Actually, we were finished recording, to be honest. You know, if you're into at least creepy things, but this one's a lot more dramatic. So it's not super, like super graphic or anything just the format of it is this it's about 75% talking about these kids and their actual what they're dealing with and then the 25% at the end is the story that they're telling or throughout the episode the story that they're telling like kind of pieced in a little bit but it's it's pretty good i definitely uh definitely recommend it uh so far so if it sucks at the ending scratch that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally take back everything but right now i'm expecting it to at least be good maybe not the best surprise of the month or anything like that but right now i'm expecting it to at least be good and worth the watch so stay yeah. tuned we'll see yeah i'm gonna have to step it up or it's gonna be uh streaming with one dude and then this guy mm-hmm. just talks sometimes <laughs> <laughs> hey as long as you cover what we're watching <laughs> I can't I can't complain as long as you have can at least be a commentator for all the bullshit that comes out of my mouth. We're we're good. And you do a great job. So I have zero complaints. Your 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 job is not in fear. You were my co-captain. So this week we watched Fear Street Part One, 1994, which was a 2021 American slasher film directed by Lee Janayak with a script co-written by Phil Grisetti and the director from an original story by, by Kyle Killen, Grisetti and Janaic, based on the book series of the same name by R.L. Stein. It is the first installment of the Fear, Fear Street... 
is the first installment of the Fear Street tr- trilogy and stars Kia Moderna, Olivia Scott Welch, Benjamin Flores Jr., Julia Rewald, and Maya Hawke. So the film starts out in 1994 at Shady Side Mall with Maya Hawke working in a bookstore, which I thought was a video store at first. And I guess it was probably just because of Stranger Things. <laughs> I didn't realize until the, later on when she went back that it was actually a bookstore. So I actually wrote video store and had to go back and scratch it out and and wrote bookstore. Um, And we hear a Nine Inch Nails song, which I thought was hilarious because I just brought up Nine Inch Nails in the last episode. So I was like, what's the coincidence that the first (laughs) song we hear in this movie is a Nine Inch Nails song? And, And she gets a call from her friend, Ryan. She walks out and she out to the, of the bookstore and she's startled by a janitor and Ryan, right after that, scares her with a blow-up doll. She asks for a ride home before going back to work. As they're walking away, Ryan hears someone whisper his name. Back in the bookstore, Maya Hawk hears a book drop, which startles her. And then she is chased by a killer dressed like a skeleton. She calls 911, but runs away before she can complete the phone call. She gets caught and pulls off the mask before dying, revealing her friend Ryan's face, who is then shot by security. Opening credits. And during the opening credits, we kind of get some flashes and it gives us a little background on the town. And we see that there's this this shady side where some bad stuff happens. And we also see that there's kind of a rival town called Sunnyvale. And it seems like that's where all the rich people live and all the nice things happen. And Jeff, Jeff, have you like, you're from, would you say you're from a small town? Yeah. I mean, small town, like, cause I'm from a, I'm from a small town. And so whenever anybody ever talks about how these small towns are about to collapse and all this, I'm like, you guys have a mall. And like, I know you're a fan of Riverdale and at Riverdale is kind of the same thing. It's always like, we're, we're a small town, but I'm like, you can support a casino and you can support <laughs> like, you know, all of the, like a whole high school, you know? And so um, just from one town, all of this. So it's like, I'm like, it can't be that tiny. Like this is a mall. Like you have a mall in your town. Like how how desolate is it? So, um, well, welcome to the world of entertainment. Because one thing I've always found funny is when it's supposed to represent like a family struggling financially, or they're supposed to be on the poor side of town. Yeah. But yet their house is bigger and nicer than probably <laughs> any yeah. house I've ever lived in. So I've always thought that was funny. It's like, right. They don't, and I don't know if that's because, which you don't know how much of it is an actual house or if they just build it, you know, on the set. So, you know, I don't know if it's a matter because, you know, a lot of cameras have to fit yeah, in there. Sure that's a lot of it. But yeah, I've always thought that was funny though like man they're not they're not poor look at that house (laughs) right 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 exactly i mean like i think the only one that ever really had it right was was uh funny enough like full house because it took like three you know full-grown men to like pay rent and to like pay mortgage on one house so did the francisco 
did the opening sequence like remind you of anything or did it did it make you think of another movie right off the bat uh not necessarily right off of the bat uh if i'm thinking about it right now i would probably say darkness falls because it kind of gives like the backstory during the opening credits and you kind of get like it which is set you know like the foundation times like the the settling days of the town so that one's probably the first one that i if i had to like think of it right now that would come to mind um what about you all right so so for me it took me back to one that's probably both of our one of our favorites probably matter of fact, i would probably say if we each had a top 10 list maybe we'll do that towards the end of october but uh it's probably on both of our top 10 lists, and that would be the movie, the original Scream. Oh, because yeah. literally probably three minutes into this movie, I'm like, Maya Hawk is totally getting Drew Barrymore'd. Oh, you mean you movie. mean before you mean the the before the credits? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. I'm totally I totally agree with what you're saying. And yeah, I totally know where you're going with this because I absolutely thought the same thing. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the credits in general. Oh no, I'm before sorry. The cre- yeah, before the credits. Yeah, I t- I'm totally on board with you. I was because I was the same way. I was like, they totally screamed us here. Like I thought we yeah, were gonna I mean, get some Maya Hawk in this movie and mm, Yeah, nope. because you know, you know, I, th- I think we both went into this not knowing anything about the movie. I mean, I knew Maya Hawk was in it, which is actually is what attracted me or kind of what may- led me to even knowing this series was on Netflix. Uh, now, granted, Maya Hawk's probably not on the same level yet as Drew Barrymore was um, in Scream, but if I'm not mistaken, Drew Barrymore had kind of been out of acting for a while. I would say that she's actually probably exactly on the same page as Drew Barrymore. Because Drew, okay. Barry- Drew Barrymore, I mean, even though Maya Hawk isn't necessarily wasn't necessarily, I think, a child actress. I don't think she acted as a child. I think, but like just being from an acting family and that being as much of her fame as acting in general at this point, you know, because that's what she's known for. You know, she's known for being, is it Ethan Hawke and... uh, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman, yeah. Yeah. Like her, their daughter. So like that's, at this point that's and that's kind of where drew barrymore was up and up until even scream like she had acted in things but outside of et you know she was drew barrymore you know more than she was the actress so i think it's it's the it's parallels or the parallels were genius for yeah i don't know if that's what they were going with but if it was was genius yeah it definitely felt like it and of course i mean both you and i are huge fans of maya hawk and I mean, I was crushed because even before she got killed off, I, I kind of saw it coming. Yeah. I mean, you know what we were just talking about? I was like, man, they're going to scream this girl yeah. right out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, come on. I was like, it's like they, they used her as a hook, just like they did Drew Barrymore. Uh, because, you know, I mean, when Scream did it, dude, that was like unheard of. And people were shocked. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you use a name like that? and kill her in the first few minutes yeah that i don't i don't know if that had ever been done before and so and i would say maya hawk was probably the biggest name on the cast list for this movie at least in my book as far as yeah not, i don't think i recognize anybody else from the cast yeah i, I didn't either except so. for the very end you know 
which I mean wasn't even a real part of the movie, I guess, outside of her voice. But the woman who winds up being C. Berman, you know, I recognize her. But outside of that, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, love the opening, but obviously didn't like Maya Hawke's character being killed off. But you know, hey, it comes with the territory in a horror flick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I applaud it. It, it was great. It, it, it literally i'm glad that we both had the same thought because it was genius like i was i i literally smiled when i realized it because i was like you got us you got us good <laughs> and i i knew that you were going i knew a, a part of me knew that you were going to recognize it so i'm really glad that you did say something because i totally didn't even think about bringing that up and i'm glad that you did because yeah. i totally forgot it because I, I thought about the first time i watched it and this time i was just so intent on taking notes that i forgot to include it so i'm so glad that you brought that up because yes yeah it was literally probably my third note that i wrote down uh <laughs> actually my first couple were you know because we talked about how black phone wasn't necessarily a scary flick and it's like this one there's like a couple of jump moments like mm-hmm. right out of the gate which i thought yeah. i was like okay okay i see i see and then yeah. uh and then the fact that one of the things i love you know because i've mentioned in the past that I was a bigger fan of some of the older school, I guess, horror flicks. And, but one of the, the modern takes on, on like, especially slasher flicks that I like is when the killer is actually fast, uh-huh. they're quick, you know, as, as opposed to most of the older ones, like in the seventies or eighties, it, it, it is easy to make fun of, but you know, they're always slow walkers, but yet they always catch up with everybody that's running or driving right. away. But man, yeah, the ones in this movie, man, they were quick, athletic, which to me makes it even more scarier. Right. Um, it, it makes it more believable as well, too. It's, I mean, did it surprise you that it was Ryan? Uh, it did. Yeah, it actually surprised me that it showed, and then it yeah. also surprised me that he got that he got shot. You know, like I was like, because I was like, well, if the killer's <laughs> already dead, you know, yeah. like what's what's about to, what's about to happen? From there, I was I was just I was so ready to see what was going on because, like I said, like you said, you know, like I was kind of set up for like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna get, kind of go with the scream setup here, you know, like where it's gonna kind of take like a riff on scream, like that's kind of what this Fear Street series is gonna do, you know, like they're gonna kind of make riff on you know different riff on different series, you know, and so when when they did that i was expecting it to be a, so they got me like with a double whammy because not only did it show you know like with the maya hawk but then i was just gonna be i was expecting a scream then and then when the the killer actually died you know in the first like five minutes i'm like what the what is going on now you know like i really don't know what's going on so um after the credits we uh we meet dina and her brother josh and who is talking someone online in a you know old school chat room about you know the murders he and some others think it's related to a witch named sarah fear including a cheerleader slash drug dealer named kate and simon another drug dealer dina uh quit band but wants to see her ex sam who is getting a little handsy with some dude at the candlelight vigil that's being held for the murders at the mall. I like to play on words there as far as the name. Fear. Well, I mean, uh, that and if you're anything like me, when 
she was talking about Sam. And then you see this guy and girl, I assume Sam was going to be a guy. <laughs> and, you know, then it's the girl that meets up with her later and they have the argument. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's a nice little twist. Cause yeah. I was, I was totally expecting the guy, but you know. Yeah. They got you with a little bit of uh with like, they tricked you with anticipation on what you're. Yeah. Yeah. So a fight breaks out at the candlelight vigil between Dina and Sam and the football players, Sunny Vale. Uh, Sunny Vale chases the bus and wrecks on the way home. Dina and Kate. Sorry, my writing got garbled right there. <laughs> Dina and Kate were going to throw the water, but Dina's hand slipped and throws the whole cooler onto the car, which caused them to wreck. Sam stumbles out and is a little bloody. And starts to see a little flashes of the witch and pukes on some blood on Simon. Dina and Josh see someone dressed like the skeleton killer. They think it's Sam's boyfriend, uh, Peter. He also shows up where Kate and Simon are babysitting, going through the laundry. They group up together and go to confront Sam at the hospital. The real Peter gets killed and they all take off seeing that it's Ryan back from the dead, question mark. They try to tell the cops, but they don't believe them. So Dina steals a gun. Simon is the first to find out that Ryan isn't the only one back from the dead. Josh Josh tells them it really is all Seraphir. They try to stop the curse by burying the body and putting the bones to rest, but that cliche didn't work. They find out the killers are after they're, they find out that the killers are only after Sarah and her blood. And they hatch another plan to use Sarah as Sarah as bait at the school and blow the killers up. That didn't work. The killers kind of pull a Terminator 2 and T-1000 themselves all back together and go back after the group or go back after Sarah and... They try to figure out another way to keep Sarah alive by researching why one girl from a past massacre survived. They hypothesized that it was because she died and was revived. So they take Sarah and drugs to the grocery store to kill Sarah with the drugs and shoot her with some, some EpiPen to revive her. The pills get knocked over before she can take them all. So Dina resorts to drowning her. Kate and Simon die in the process. But Sarah finally drowns. The killers then back off. Dina and Josh revive Sam and they tell the police that it was all Kate and Simon because they knew that they would never believe them and they're dead anyways. Sam is now out and proud as she kisses Dina right in front of her mother. Later, Dina gives Sam a mixtape that she made for her. Did you ever give a girl a mixtape? Wow, that's a good question. It's very possible. I, I definitely made my share of mixtapes, no doubt. What about yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so, I mean, I definitely made mixtapes. But when I was to the age of doing mix, like, giving girls things, like, as such, I definitely did mix CDs. I can't tell you how many burn CDs that are out there that I probably have my name on them. Like the two used from me's and oh man, uh, definitely. Uh, and speaking of music, this soundtrack, man, I know. I mean, you're 
How old were you in 94? Ooh, I would have been, hold up, eight, 18. So, I mean, yeah. this music. you graduated. This, right. So, this music must have been, like, some of your music, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's funny because sometimes when I watch a movie, I have to keep reminding myself what when it's taking place. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, some of it would be like, like even, like, the mixtape, I'm like, a mixtape and i was like oh wait this is 94 or yeah or or josh being on aol and <laughs> so it's you know of course we we've watched a lot of stuff here that took us back to the 80s so this was kind of cool you know reliving some of the 90s era yeah i mean they had everything from like what like i remember the, the pixies bush we already mentioned nine inch nails it was a lot of a lot of grungy like underground college rock kind of stuff too that i'm like stuff that i'm definitely familiar with but stuff that i didn't even know probably i because i don't think i i mean i definitely was not listening to the pixies in 1994 you know but i wasn't a seven-year-old you know i wasn't i wasn't that refined but so you know it's so so what kind of music was going on these mixtapes and cds to these these ladies in your life oh man so it was probably would have been early 2000s so it definitely would have been like dashboard confessionals and like john mayer and <laughs> oh man probably some taking back sunday who, who god who knows there's there's no telling there's no telling what what is on there dude i remember you know having a stereo you know with the uh the dual cassette type thing uh-huh. and and listening to, you know, there was always an afternoon radio show that, that would play like the top 10 or top 20. Yeah. And and having, you know, was it play, record, and pause pushed in. <laughs> yep. So as soon as your song that you want to record came on, you'd hit, you know, you'd hit the pause button. So it started recording. And <laughs> that was how, you know, you got some of your favorite songs on tape. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, whenever I was younger, that's definitely how... I was making my music, like getting my music that I could not buy because before I was, you know, had income and the ability to buy you know, music. And before, like when my uh, my Columbia house, when all that ran out. <laughs> oh, wow. I forgot <laughs> all about that. Like, you know, like 12 CDs for a penny. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. I forgot all about that. That is what? awesome. Whenever I whenever I'd ran through all of those and I needed new music, that's definitely how I was recording things. Was getting it off the radio, one hundred percent. So I can't tell you how many like little RCA tapes that I had, like classic See, stuff. That also reminds me of, uh, and we promise we'll eventually start talking about the movie again. But <laughs> you know, but it is relatable since this is on Netflix. But that reminds me, of my brother in law like in the early days in Netflix, you know, when you got like two or three, four CDs mailed to you at a time. Yeah. And you had like, you know, your, your, I forgot what, what they call the list, but you had it in order. And as soon as you mailed them back, they sent you whatever was next in your list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like my yeah, brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, I forget how many he would get at a time, but as soon as he got them, he would just burn them mm-hmm. and then send them back. So it's like, We'd go on vacation with him, and he'd break out this big old CD case <laughs> with like every movie, every new release you could think of for the last few years. Yeah, and, and uh, but you know he was just constantly cycling them through and just recording them, sending them back, and 
all that kind of stuff. Genius. Man. I know. Genius. Was... I think, I mean, I, I definitely grew up in the kind of thing where my, my, my family would come home with some DVDs because they knew somebody that was at work that had, you know, like they're selling them, you know, out of the back of their car yeah. for, you know, like here, I know that you like this kind of, you know, I like, I know you like these movies. I bought all of them. You know, they were only, they were like three for $5, you know? <laughs> so I can't tell you there, there was, especially, you know, during my high school years, I can't tell you how many of our DVDs were, they were the burn DVDs with, the sharpie yeah uh so good times good times, good, good times indeed it, piracy at its finest <laughs> <laughs> love it love it the phone rings and c berman the survivor is on the phone telling dina that it is never over and she's not safe when sam shows that's when sam shows up and stabs dina josh is talking online and doesn't hear the, the struggle Going on upstairs, he feels a hand on his shoulder and sees the reflection. It's Dina. She's overtaken Sam and hogtied her in the kitchen. And then we see a, was it a, I guess an epilogue, a little epilogue scene where we find out that, you know, Dina's still alive. Her and Josh have gone to see Berman's house to figure out how to end it. And we get a little preview for Camp or for Fear Street Part 2, 1978, which is a summer theme, or summer camp theme, which is, you know, kind of a riff on the, not only original Friday the 13th movie, but I can't tell you how many camp slasher films there were in the 70s and 80s. Sleepaway Camp. I can't, I can think, I can think of just a couple, but yeah, in the end. So, so I got a question about one of the scenes in the movie. All right. So when they're on the bus and Sam or boyfriend and maybe another guy are in the car behind them, Dina's got that. What was it? She was trying to dump on them or was thinking about I think dumping it was them? like it was either Gatorade or water. Okay. What is the deal with her nosebleed? I don't know that because when, when I saw what it meant as far as Sam was concerned, I was like, well, what what was Dina's connection? What? Because she seemed shocked that her nose just suddenly started bleeding. And that's what ultimately triggered all the events afterwards. Right. I don't know uh, if, like, you know, the witch is something that the witch did to, like, cause the series of events to happen. Yeah. Or maybe we find out, you know, later on in the films, like, in the series. Because I, I haven't watched any of the other ones yet, either. Maybe we find out that somehow that's related. You know, yeah. like to what's going on, because uh, that could be a possibility. So I don't know, because yeah, we don't really find out anything about that. And I wonder the same thing. I was like, why would they point that out? But yeah, they never did kind of resolve that that conflict about you know like why. But I mean, at the same time, sometimes you know it's just noses bleed, so it could have just yeah. been random as to, as well. So I mean, it's one of those things you can't be too upset, but. It could just be they could just needed a reason for it to like slip out of her hand. How'd you how'd you like it overall? I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Like I said, it was a good contrast to you know Black Phone that we watched last week. This one was definitely on you know more your traditional scary movie. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed the the few jumps I got you know in the movie and uh, you know just kind of the more of the traditional slasher film. But yeah. I I really enjoyed the characters that they, they didn't. 
they didn't follow the typical formula uh, with, you know, the four or five, six main characters that they used. And I found myself a lot more invested in these characters than I typically do a horror flick. Yeah. Um, to me, it seems like you might be invested in one or two and the other ones are just casualties of war. You know, it's just like, doesn't yeah. bother you that much, but man, I found my, like, especially Kate and Simon. I mean, cause I don't know. I guess for some reason, part of me thought that they would probably all survive. Yeah. Um, I did too. Or at least not, you know, but then it's just like, I don't know. It's like, a, it happened so quick. I was like, I wasn't even prepared. Yeah. I'm like, Oh man, not, not Kate and Simon, especially. I mean, I love Kate. I thought she was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I thought it was, I, I will say I, I wasn't in a hurry and excited to rewatch it. Like I was black phone. Mm-hmm. But overall, I still thought it was very solid, and I am excited to watch the other two. Uh, of course, we won't, you know, discuss those on our our podcast this month. But I did enjoy it enough to where I want to see the trilogy and then kind of how yeah. it plays out. So they did a really good job of really getting you invested in the characters. And, yeah, I agree. So, like, I don't, I, I'm, a, I'm familiar with R.L. Stein. I don't. That might have been something that you might have been a little too old for with the Goosebump books. But that was right in my wheelhouse. So, I mean, even though he wasn't, this wasn't necessarily, it wasn't even written by him. It was just inspired by a series that he had done, which I haven't read any of the Fear Street books. So I have nothing, I don't know anything about that. So I don't know if like the ser- the setting is the same and all of that, you know, goes on. But they did a really good job of the way that they capture his, the way his stories happen because the way that like they focus the way that they focus on the characters it's a very it's very important to like the horror of what's going on and in a lot of the books you know what i mean like usually they're they're there to serve a lesson just as much as scare you know in some some way and so you have to become attached to the characters in order for that to happen so it's it's really interesting that how well it is like it, it, when i was watching it the second time it really reminded me of i was like this was like kind of even reminds me of the episodes of goosebumps where they you know that were based on the books where i was like this is just better acting and better produced and and better written versions of that like this is this reminds me of goosebumps at this point like the second time i watched it so i enjoyed it as well so it was like goosebumps for kids and maybe fair street was like more like yeah, because yeah, I do know that he wrote a little bit more adult things, um, both before and after, and probably during uh, Goosebumps as well. But I just never expanded outside of the Goosebumps. I don't know why. Maybe I should, because I really enjoyed the Goosebumps as a kid, and I don't know, and I enjoy you know reading now. You know, Stephen King, in fact, is even one of my favorite authors. But I've I've never read any more of the books outside of. Goosebumps, I know he's written a lot, but yeah. maybe I should. Yeah, so who is your dude or dud of the week? All right, so uh, my dude of the week, I'm giving it to Josh. Josh, nice. I really like Josh's character. I just, I don't know what it was about him. Just like a nice, humble kid. And, and of course, he was the one that knew all the history and, and kind of pieced everything together. So, I mean, he was basically the brains behind the entire operation. But Yeah, he was the Donatello. 
to me, it wasn't even so much that. It's just like you get to see him grow up in, in, a lot in a short period of time. And yeah. the little thing he had with Kate, and which, of course, I'm sure it was, you know, devastating to have to, you know, her brains get mutilated. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Is I really liked him from the very beginning. Just, uh, you know, he's funny. Uh, just just a great kid and it's just uh you know doing the the whole internet chat room you know back when kind of before it really took off so uh but yeah, it yeah be- i don't even think i knew what the internet was in 1994 i remember like in high school it was like a big deal there was a computer in our library that was hooked up to the world wide web <laughs> <laughs> the, we threw out the world wide web and you know but of course it hadn't really taken off or anything, but like you could sign up to go jump on it and kind of, which I don't even know what all would have been on it at the time, but, but yeah, that's, that's like probably my first memory of, you know, the internet in general, but, but yeah. So what about you? Who's your dude or dud? My dude of the week is Simon. Okay. Uh, The first time I watched it, you know, I thought he kind of, honestly, he was kind of the, probably my lesser my lesser characters but the second time i watched it i fell in love with the kid i mean he's a great friend to everybody he's super nice and you find out that the kid's been working like at this grocery store to support his family since he's 15 and i mean you think that he's like just this guy that's you know basically making kate sell these drugs and he's kind of like the bad kid of the group and then you find out like throughout the movie that he's the biggest saint of all of them really kate you know kate has her soft side but she's also doing things to get out of town you know like she's trying to make herself better and escape you know the the situation that she's in but simon he's being a man at 15 and you know putting like putting his family first and still going to school and taking care of everything else and like yeah he's doing these drugs but i mean at the same time like damn this kid's also taking care of everything else like if he can do all that and enjoy himself and be responsible at the same time i'm not going to complain because this kid can handle his shit you know like he's he's taking care of a family he's got kids at home and going to school if he wants to you know do a little like do a little drugs to relax i'm not going to blame the kid uh by all means he pulled a double shift he he's wearing a bloody shirt because he's he he where he pulled a double like leave the kid alone uh yeah. simon is my dude of the week and i love the pep talk he gave josh kind of yeah. towards the end i thought that was really cool and right and like, that's what i mean like he was a friend of everybody like he he's like bro he she sees something in you like she's a bitch <laughs> like she yeah. don't just she's not nice to everybody bro like don't 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 mess it up yeah and you know it had been so easy i mean i, I kind of like how josh was accepted in general you know because back then i mean of course we got a lot more years of the internet under our belts now but back then i mean it, you know I, th- I think maybe he was called a nerd um by somebody I mean, it might have been simon or somebody but uh that that type of character would not have been accepted very well kind of in their mix as yeah. far as like you know dina simon and kate and i, I love how they were a motley crew right like they're yeah. just a lot, like I, I always love movies like that where it's just like they don't really fit because i mean that's really honestly like 
how a lot of high school really is like if we're being honest like it's it's not always sometimes it is you know like this group and this group like a group of basketball players hanging out a group of football players hanging out but for the most part you know like you get the people that this guy's you know good at video games this guy's the funny guy you know like this guy's the guy who is a little athletic and you know he's the one that kind of like pushes the guy the rest of the group to do more you know crazy things you know like yeah then you have the party guy that he's the one that gets you know gets you in a little trouble you know like that's more of how i think most friend groups actually are you know in real life so i always love it when they do that yeah definitely a a cast of misfits so Mm -hmm. it, it it was pretty cool to to see it play out and uh i asked this same question last week i'll probably ask it every week Heck, I'm, I'm even going to name it right now. The scream of the night. What was, was there one particular scene that made you jump or scared you the most or had you on edge the most? Like I said, this movie compared to, you know, Black Phone was a little different. It's, it's definitely more typical scary movie where you're kind of jumping a little bit here and there. I think the, the one that I guess like shocked me the most was at the end when Sam had stabbed Dina already. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't, I mean, like, this was scary, but, you know, it, it actually takes, I kind of, I, you can always, I mean, the way the music's set up, you know, like, I've seen so many horror films that when I get, when I do have a jump, I, I will, I will, I will make a note of it and I will enjoy it because, like, the way music is usually set up and the way they usually set the scenes up, they don't, you don't, they don't really get you anymore, you know? So yeah. it's really hard to get a good jump scare in a lot of films nowadays. But as far as, I guess the most shocking that one got me the most because you didn't know. I mean, like she was there and she looked creepy, but when Dana just backed away and revealed that she had already been stabbed and you didn't know what was going to happen after that, you know, like it just cuts to Josh and you don't, you don't even hear, I mean, you're kind of in his head right then. So you're just hearing the music and, you know, hearing the typing. So you don't really hear the fighting going on upstairs so you don't even know that she's still alive at that point. You know, you're just like, because I mean, we've already, like you said, we've already seen two people that we do love, Kate and Simon, they've gone down. So it's like, you don't know what's going on. Now Dina, like yeah. now the main girl that we were fighting through this whole time, like, and then is Josh. And then of course, you know, like we found out that they're actually fighting, but then we see a, a hand on Josh's shoulder and it's just like, is Josh next? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we find out, you know, Dana's got the girl hog tied up and everybody's safe. So what about you? What was what was your jump scare? So th- this is gonna seem odd, but you're 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 probably like me. I, anytime I'm watching something like this, you know, I I'm wearing headphones. So I'm picking up all the sounds pretty loud. Um but it was with I don't know, I think Simon was like peeing up against the wall or something like outside you know, all by himself. Uh-huh. And then in that very moment, the police car came by and, and the siren. Yeah. Like, bloop. I mean, it's like <laughs> literally, man. I don't know if I just wasn't expecting it or, I mean, it made me jump far worse than anything else in the movie. That's just, awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I, I had to pause it and just chuckled and I actually wrote it down. Actually, here, police siren slash boy peeing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so something I something I want to talk about is I really hate that they mentioned like all of the killers that 
that had happened throughout the town, like throughout the town throughout the years. And then we didn't even see all of them because I would really have liked to have seen some of those that they mentioned. Like I thought some of those were, would have been really cool to have seen chasing them down. We only saw like what, four of them. Yeah, so, which, I mean, it's a trilogy, so I'm sure we'll end up seeing all of them. I mean, maybe we do, maybe we do, but I mean, it's the way what I've, I, I'm led to believe is that we just see like that one killer chasing the, you know, having the massacre in that one. But I mean, it could maybe the other ones show up and make an appearance. Who knows? We'll see. But I mean, it, it, in the the 1666 one, that's the first one, so you know we're not going to see any of those in that one. So. We don't see them in the second one. We're not going to see them, but I really enjoyed some of those other ones. But hey, I mean, maybe those actually are from the books, the Fear Street books. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, before we rate the film, anything else you want to talk about? So, is there the sheriff? I, I I can't figure him out. Is he is he dirty? Is he? I don't like him either. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the deal. I don't know what's up with him. I can't figure him out. I can't either. I can't tell because I mean, he obviously seemed pretty shady, but at the end, he actually seemed like he was pretty remorseful. Like he seemed like he regrets actually not believing the girls about what was going on. So, yeah, I I, I can't tell either because I know there for a while I was thinking. The direction it was going that, that was that he was in on it yeah like maybe he was some kind of like force working for the witch or something like that something like that i wasn't sure but i i just i don't know something didn't seem right about him from early on mm-hmm. um but i just i couldn't couldn't place it but i do have one little piece of trivia for you yeah do you know how and why this trilogy fell in netflix's hands i don't so it was actually meant for a theatrical release. I forgot who owned it. It was not obviously not Netflix, but um, but it was supposed to come out in 2020, and of course the pandemic had other ideas. Yeah. So, so it basically got canned, and then eventually Netflix picked up the rights to it. If I'm not mistaken, they released part one one week, and then they released the other two the following week. Yeah. So it was like boom, boom, boom. But yeah, uh, but I remember yeah. them being released last year, and I just never, I just never got around to watching them. But now I'm not sure if like a theatrical release, you know, I doubt they would have done something like that in the theaters. But maybe the theaters it was supposed to be released. I don't know, maybe a year apart, or I don't know. But I know it was originally just meant for theatrical release um, before the pandemic kind of changed their plans. Yeah. Interesting. But, yep. That's cool. I did not know that. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Well, we have pretty much, I think, talked about this movie as much as we can. What What do you give this? Uh, let's Let's give it. What What should we rate this out of? I, I gave it. I gave it the the rating scale last week. What should we rate this out of? Five hmm. what's out of five mixtapes. Oh, that's a good one. All right, Jeff. Out of zero to five mixtapes, five being the Best zero being the worst. How many mixtapes would you give this movie to let it know that you love it? So this was one of those where, for whatever reason, the first go through, I was just meh. I thought it was okay, but you know, it helped that I went in with like no expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But then as I started like reading more about it, kind of doing a little bit of research and, you know, kind of thinking back on it and kind of watching it again, I'm like, no, that, that was actually a pretty good movie though. I almost regret giving Black Phone a four. I almost feel like maybe now I should give it a four and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to give Fear Street Part 1 a solid three and a half because it's not on the level of Black Phone, in my opinion. Again, I I wasn't as excited to rewatch it as I was Black Phone, but I am interested to see, you know, Part 2 and 3. But so 3.5. What about you? All right. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm the... I was actually, I'm actually going to agree with your point. It's definitely better on the, the rewatch. I honestly didn't have time in between my rewatches to really do any, you know, amount of actual research and deep diving on this, this one, this time. Um, so I, but I did, you know, think about it, you know, in a, you know, set aside time and, you know, allow myself to like, kind of give myself time to enjoy it, like, and think about it. And the second time, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more because originally I was going to give this a little bit of a lower score. And I thought that this was probably going to be on my lower end of the scale for the the month ahead. I definitely was not going to give it a, a higher score. But after, you know, watching it the second time, being able to think about it, you know, even after the discussion, I'm, it bumped it up a little bit more. And so... You know, the way I'm kind of giving my scale is kind of like how much I would recommend it. You know, I wouldn't recommend it at all if I gave it a zero, like to anybody. But for this one, I'm going to give it a three. You know, like I would, oh, you like scary movies? Like, oh, you, you'll probably like it. Like, you're not going to love it. You're not going to like, I don't think it's going to cause anybody to like become fans. You know, like no one's like, my favorite series is the Fear Street series. Like, I don't think anybody's ever going to be, you know, screaming that. But it is fun. It's fun. But, you know, from my horror movies, like, I like if you're not going to be totally scary, I want you to at least be funny. And like, they kind of had a little bit of that going, like, as far as like being a little bit more, I guess, self-aware of what they were doing, like, at the beginning with the um, with the scream. And I thought, oh, man, if they're going to keep doing this, you know, and like playing on this, like then it's going to be great. But they kind of, you know, just didn't really outside of killing, you know, some of the main characters at the end didn't really play too much on like, you know, like what to expect. You know, like you kind of, you know, expected everything that was going to happen. So, I mean, I definitely had fun. I, I probably would, you know, recommend this to like, a younger like it's an intro like more of the introduction to horror movies like if someone's like 12 or 13 you know somewhere around that age and they're they're able to handle stuff like that that this is a good horror flick for like that age because it's kind of it's more fun you know what i mean like it's not too scary it's not too brutal um i mean there's violence for sure but it's not super graphic like it's it, it definitely falls on the line of like you know the over-the-top kill scenes that we saw in the 80s and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I'm going to give it a solid three, which is still good. It's better than, it's better than average, (laughs) you know, it's better than average. So that gives us an average of 3.25, which puts it below 
the black phone, which is fair. Um, yeah. It puts it at number two on our horror films. And, so, and and that's why I struggled with it a little bit because I'm like, so this was my dilemma. 3.5 only put it a half a point below black phone. And I thought black phone was better than a half a point better. Yeah. But my brain also thinks like in scales of 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, if I give it a three, which I thought would have been more fitting compared to black phone, because it was a full point below I'm like that. That's just, that's a six out of 10. And I'm the type of person, no matter what it is, is being reviewed. If it doesn't get at least a seven, I'm probably not giving it any attention. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to give it a three because that's kind of like a six out of a 10. And I still think it's worth, but that, yeah, that's just the craziness the way my brain was thinking. So that, that's why I went with a three and a half. <laughs> I mean, that's good. I think 3.25 is, is fair for this film. I mean, like I said, it's not, it's not going to win any awards. I don't even think it's going to win any like fan awards, you know? I mean, outside of, I mean, even outside of like Maya Hawk's performance, I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, you know, this is my favorite character. You know, like, like I said, I don't think there's any fans, you know, geeking out over the Fear Street trilogy. But I mean, maybe over time, who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's been out for a full year. So I don't recall hearing a whole lot about it. But part two does have Sadie Sink. Which, yep. I mean, Maya Hawk and Sadie Singh, definitely my two favorite female characters from Stranger Things, if not my two favorite characters all around um, <laughs> yeah. from, from Stranger Things. Yeah. But inter- interesting thing, and, and hopefully it's not any kind of spoiler, but the girl that played Kate, um, I thought she did amazing. And this is like her coming of age. This, this was like her first big break. Mm-hmm. She she didn't really do a lot prior to fear, you know, like some small stuff that didn't but she's starting to gain a lot of traction. Um, so she could be an up and comer, but in her credit, she's listed in part two and part three as well. Okay. Which I'd always wondered, I wasn't sure, you know, is there time travel involved? Does anything happen that changes the events? To where it might Kate- be one of those, it might be one of those films where like we see some of the characters from the first movie just playing different parts, like the actors playing their former, uh, oh, what's it called? Like relatives, you know, like their ancestors, like they're playing their ancestors. Yeah. That's I right. Think. I, didn't, I didn't think about that. That's very true. Or, you know, even like flashbacks. I don't know. But yeah, she is listed as in the other two as well. So like I say, it could just be what you'd mentioned. Did you look at um, any of the other, um, which I mean, we know that like, obviously Dina and Josh and Sam. Let's, let's click on Mr. Simon and I'll find out right now. Live. All right. We're hearing it live folks. We got Jeff clicking right here. We're gonna, he's going to get scroll on IMDb. We're going to keep looking, keep Josh. He's list. He is also listed in all three. All right. So yeah, then it's probably, yeah. Probably some some something similar to that where they're playing like relatives or ancestors or something like that. They're cool. So next week, this is gonna be Jeff's choice. Jeff, you have seen this one. This is one that you picked for me because I have surprisingly never seen it. Like you had to go through but probably six or seven films that I shot you down where you were like, Have you seen this one? Yes, I have. Have you seen this one? Yes. So 
he found one and Jeff, what are we watching next week? Yeah, it, it was difficult to try to find one. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure it's one I've seen. I just, it's been so long as I don't remember anything about it. So it'll probably feel like I'm watching it for the first time. But not only was it finally one that Parker hadn't seen, but I thought it would also be nice out of the five that we're watching this month to have kind of like one older classic. So that's kind of the direction we're going. So it's uh, an American werewolf in London. Very often on whether it's like a top fifty or it's it's always on some of the top lists all time before flick. Yeah, I really honestly don't know how this one slipped, and I've actually seen the sequel whenever it came out whenever I was younger, American Werewolf in Paris, and it was just it was really goofy, and I don't I remember just thinking it was kind of and maybe that's one of the reasons I never watched this one, but. I am excited because I, I know it's always gotten great reviews and you've never let me down with your recommendations so far. So I'm excited. Well, for this one. Like I said, this is a strange recommendation because it literally just one that I finally found that you hadn't watched. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember anything about it. So I don't even remember if I liked it or if I thought it was just God awful. But... All right, y'all, heard it, y'all heard it here first, <laughs> folks. This is just favorite movie of all time. Better than Citizen Kane. If you don't yeah. like it, get out of this country. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's going to be interesting just because I think this one's like 1980. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes just seeing the difference in special effects and just... Yeah, this is definitely the oldest film that we're watching this month for sure. Um, so, but, but you know, I, hey, I definitely love. I love this. I love love this era. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, gosh, the original Halloween was was it late seventies? I want to say like seventy eight, maybe, uh, maybe even earlier. And I mean, special effects to me didn't bother that movie at all, in my opinion. I mean, I, uh, it's, it's still one of my favorites of all time. So. You don't really have to have great special effects to be spooky or, or scary. Or... No, practical effects are always the best. And that's like, I mean, that's one of the reasons that, that horror films can can be so great is that a lot of times it's just they're done so cheap because, you know, they just put some put some uh, food coloring inside of a or put some put some corn syrup inside of a watermelon and explode it, you know, like easy, fun stuff. Yeah, definitely better than like red pudding. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next week we are watching American Werewolf in London. I'm excited. Jeff, you're excited. Anything you want to tell them before we get out of here tonight? No, we've we've had a lot of fun doing this screaming with two dudes this month. And, uh, you know, I think mainly I might be getting a little more back into the horror genre a little bit. Awesome. I love that. I love that. That makes me so excited. I've I've enjoyed these last two and uh I'm excited about the next three and I'm hoping to squeeze in a couple that's not even on our list so I can actually answer your first question every yeah. episode. Like what else am I streaming? But that's yet to be seen. I got a crazy month ahead, but uh hey, it's all good, man. Life happens, life is more important. This podcast is just a hobby because yeah, we we have we joke about it, you know, often, but we're not getting paid for it. So this is this is literally a labor of love for both of us. So um, you know, if you ever want to donate to any of us, you can go to our Patreon. If you want to contact us, we can we can we should set up a Venmo, a Venmo account for the podcast. Uh so if you want to donate, because we can uh if you want to contact us about donating, we can take donations for requests for sure. We have not set a limit on that, but we can definitely make that happen. 
uh if you want to request something to make us watch make us if we hate it if it's your favorite movie and you want to hope hopefully make us watch your favorite movie if it's your least favorite movie and you want to make us watch the worst movie you've ever seen we'll take we'll take your money there's a yeah. price there's a <laughs> there's a price to our time for sure mm-hmm. because right now we're doing it for free so uh if there's anything that you want to watch and you want to pay us for it we will we will name our price for sure um just contact us and i'll let you know how you can do that in the show notes coming up jeff it's been real my friend thank you so much for doing this with me i had fun watching this uh and doing this with you and sparking your or re-sparking your interest and your love for horror movies yeah it it was fun to to jump a little bit this week and uh you know get spooked a little bit even if it was just some guy peeing in a police car coming by but (laughs) hey you know being scared is being scared you can't be choosy that's Uh, awesome but yeah looking forward to next week and i appreciate everybody that's been listening and yeah this great month one of my favorite months of the year can't wait to keep it going all right awesome well good night thank you so much for listening please remember to rate review and subscribe five stars and a review really do help these dudes out on the charts if you have a thought or a idea about what we're watching, please email us at streamingwith2dudes at gmail.com or request to join the Streaming With Two Dudes Facebook group. Links to our Patreon and our socials are in the show notes. Thanks again. And remember, don't take pills that you aren't prescribed or else your head might end up in a bread slicer.